0: Good morning, Crossroads. I invite you to take your uh, bulletin insert out. It's uh, an insert for Wise Choices Pregnancy Resource Center. Uh, Today is Sanctity of Human Life Sunday, uh, something that is uh, commemorated every year around this time. And we wanted to commemorate this in just a a little bit of a different way this year. Uh, One is obviously to promote the work that they do up uh, here in Decatur. It's not just Decatur, but all of Wise County. I invite you to consider uh, supporting, consider uh, volunteering, and definitely praying. Uh, you know, we're called to care for orphans and widows in their distress, and uh, we truly do have orphans in our community and in our county, and we, uh, we, if we're pro-life, it doesn't just mean we're pro-birth. It means we're pro-caring for kids, whatever their needs are, and uh, this is something that uh, we talk about uh, a lot. Uh, they talk about a lot at Wise Choices, and uh, that is uh, foster and adopt. And uh, there's a meeting coming up, and uh, we invite you to uh, consider. We invite <coughs> you to, uh, to pray about it. And uh, this is Holly and Mike Fuller. You saw them on the video. Uh, they're members here at Crossroads. Uh, Mike is the athletic director and head football coach up at uh, Decatur High School. Holly works for a a law office here in town, and they have two college students, it sounds odd to say that, but uh, um, uh, one is at Texas Tech, uh, That's Autumn, and Roman just started uh, this month up at uh, University of Tulsa, and uh, empty nesters now, (laughs) but uh, tell us about uh, your, just your journey of uh, of adoption, or or,
1: sorry, not adoption, fostering. Okay. I'll try to tell the shortest version that I can. Holly, <laughs> Holly grew up uh, with a really good friend, uh, I think through middle school and high school, whose family had always, always fostered kids and always had kids in their house, and she saw firsthand what a blessing that could be to those, not only those children but to the families. Um, and then she always talked about wanting to do that, uh, and I just kind of nodded my head, and, and I, wasn't, I wasn't convinced. Um, when I was the head coach at Capel, there was uh, uh, some parents of some of our football players who we got to know pretty well and they and they were always uh, always had foster children and and talked about what a blessing it was for for those kids and their families and and Holly wanted to do it, I, it like I said, it took a little bit more convincing for me it wasn't wasn 't something that was that was uh, on my heart from the beginning, um, but it was she felt really strongly about it and, and I wanted to uh, you know, I was I was open to it, and we decided uh, that we would that we would go through the training. Now, at this time, I was thinking, you know, I'm in a, a big high school. I'm in charge of 300 to 350 football players at a time, not to mention 30 coaches, and then three different middle schools with 100 players at each of those. Uh, so I, my excuse was, well, I'm just too busy, and I've you got too many other. Already? They're already making a difference, <laughs> and, and those kind of things. But uh, she felt strongly about it, and I was I was open to it, so at a really convenient time, uh, starting in September, uh, one year, we went every, every Wednesday night, we drove from, from Coppell to Plano for a three-hour <laughs> training uh, for 10 weeks, and, uh, and then we, we were, we were licensed, they came and did a, a you know, check of our home to make sure it was safe, and all of that, and I would say within, and, and, and we, we decided that we would be we would have room and the ability to, to keep one child. Uh, we wanted it to be someone younger than our, our son, who was three at the time. Um, we didn't want to mess up the birth order or anything like that. We thought we, we, thought we knew how, how things should be. Um, so we, get, uh, we had a room prepared, so at least we, we had done some planning. We get a call, and uh, maybe maybe two days after we had our license, and we had a, a four-day-old little girl named Jessie Uh, At our house, just like that, and you know, there's no no time to really prepare for it mentally. But um, but she was there, and she was an easy baby like both of our kids were, and uh, you know, it doesn't take long to get attached to a baby. Um, And in about three weeks, three or four weeks, uh, we get a call from a social worker saying, "Hey, we're going to come we're going to come pick up Jesse in a couple hours. Can you have her ready? We're going to move." we're going to move her somewhere else. And we're like, what What, what do we do? Um, and they said, no, you didn't do anything, but you're only open, your, your house is only available for one child. She has a brother um, who's about four and he's been in another home. We found a home that can keep them both. And we're like, we'll, we'll change our number to two. And, uh, <laughs> and so they brought they brought uh, Justin with a broken arm, which was the reason was the reason for the removal anyway. And we, we had them for for six to eight months or so, and then got a uh, got a uh, a little girl named Abby, and she stayed with us for about a year. A lot of an appoint- a lot of appointments with her, a lot of specialists that she had to go through. Had been through a lot of neglect, um, but it was uh, it was a good experience there. We took a little break, um, kind of changing of jobs, and we had a we had we had tried to we had a boy in our house for a little while. We tried to ad- adopt him. He was from Russia. We even went over there, and that didn't work out. Um, and then a few years later, after our license had expired, of course, uh, we, it was on on Holly's heart, and, and then it was on mine uh, to uh, to try this again. Um, we got we got certified again, and, and probably the day that we got our license, uh, we got a phone call. Back in the days when there was like a phone in your house that people could call, <laughs> um, Holly was at work. It was in the wintertime. It was after football season, and they said we've got two two kids we've got a, a six-month-old and a and a three-year-old that uh, we're bringing to your house if, if it's okay And i said well i need to talk to holly we really only talked about doing one um, and they said well we're gonna we're gonna head that way and if we get there <laughs> if we get there and and you're not able to do it then we'll just take them to a shelter okay <laughs> all right so holly comes home and we've got a baby and a three-year-old um, overnight with no—probably uh, the most hectic night of, uh, that I can remember. Um, trying in, in one in one day during is during the middle of the work week to uh, to come up with baby bottles, a crib, some kind of crib to sleep in, car seats, um, daycare for the next day—all of those things in, in one day. But um, but it was a, a real a real blessing, and we had one more for for about a year after her. Um, I would would say it was uh, was really rewarding. It wasn't necessarily easy all the time, uh, but there's such a need for it that we just felt like uh, it was something that we could do and we had room and and the ability to do it. That's awesome. Tell us from your perspective, just from the inside
0: looking out, uh, how did it affect you guys, how did it change you, uh, even your kids? You had two young kids at the Mm -hmm. time, and how did it affect them?
2: I think for us, it's just so eye-opening to see what's going on right here, because we're here with our church friends and our family friends from in town, and everyone's just doing their best to love on their kids. And so when you see that right here in your community, there's kids that are severely abused and severely neglected and need a home, um, it's eye-opening to us as adults. But our own biological children, I mean, there's lots of funny stories about trying to teach a three-year-old how to share. And... (laughs) Um, with somebody living in their home. And so at, uh, one fun story is Roman, when he was about three or four, um, we had this little girl who had speech problems. So she couldn't really comprehend the words why Autumn and Roman got to call us mom and dad. And she didn't get to call us mom and dad. We, or we just told her to call us Holly and Mike. And she called us mama. And so Roman said that is not your mama, that's your foster mama, all the time. And he wanted to make it very clear. And one day we were going to get in the car. on those lines. Yeah, he wanted those lines very little clear. boundaries. And uh, we went to get in the car one day, and she was like, oh, get in my car, get in my car. And he said, that is not your car, that's your foster car. <laughs> so just teaching them at their level that, you know, all these things that we have, our cars, our toys, our homes, they're not really ours anyway. They're for all of us um just
0: for a season while we're here yeah i like that you talk about seasons even in the video you talked about seasons and and that it wasn't because i get uh, you know thinking in my mind you you bring somebody into your home foster and you know 30 years later they're still you know living in your basement or no i'm joking <laughs> but at the same time you know just the seasons uh, short you know that first time had you not been open to that second one it, probably just a few days and then a few months and even up to a year in that um just talk about a little bit about the seasons and well I, you
1: know that's a that's a tough thing you know God has a bigger plan than 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 we do yeah. um I, I would say that that uh, you have to do you have to do what's best for your family and what works with your with with what's going on um My advice would be to to not use being busy as an excuse. I try to do that um but I don't think god will will put something on you that he can't handle. Um, so uh, you know that those were those were some important things, and another thing is just not to be no, don't do it because you feel guilty or because you, you think you're, you ought to do it uh, if it 's something that God puts on your heart then then go to the meeting and look into would it
0: would It' be true to say this isn't for everyone
1: well, I, well, I would think it's not yeah. uh, but it's yeah. you know it can be, it can be really rewarding, but there's probably times where' it's, where it's best for you and times where it might not be the best idea yeah,
0: that's right. Um, Talk to us a little bit about um, what you'd say just other parents who might be thinking through this and maybe had a thought, maybe it was five years ago, maybe it's just as a result of this. Is this some encouragement?
2: Um, Obviously, we would say to start with prayer and just pray about what's best for your family and what you're being called to do. Um, And then this group and this team of people that has come together in our community is crossed many, many churches in mm-hmm. Wise County, yep. and so this um, Q&A session is really for people to come and hear, but it's also to tell you that the training that's required to be foster or adoptive parents is going to also take place right here in Wise County, which is going to be extremely helpful for all of us if you're thinking about it, mm-hmm. um, and then we would just say, you know, uh, not everyone is called to do fostering, as we know, but everyone is called to care for orphans. And so what we want to do through this is to say what it looks like is different for every family. For us, it might be fostering or adopting again. For some of you, it might be. And for others, you know, it might be taking people who are doing that. It's just a meal. That's, that's the way you can be called to minister. And so what that looks like is different for all of us.
0: That's right. This isn't a meeting that you come to and you go home with a kid. No. <laughs> <laughs> At least yeah. I don't think uh, it is. So <laughs> this is a find out more, find out how you can be prayerful, how you can be engaged, how you can support. Uh, let's thank Mike and Holly, shall we? All right, thank you guys so much. Thank you. Are you guys going to be hanging out a little bit, or you guys have to go? Um, either they, or you can call the church office. If you need to get a hold of somebody. We have a number of people who we have contacts with, even in advance of the meeting. If you have questions. Um, ask them, and uh, we'd love to uh, facilitate that dialogue in your life. Continuing our series this morning, Hearts Wide Open, turn your Bibles to Genesis chapter 11, and this is truly the uh, posture that I believe God has called us to at the beginning of this year. Here at Crossroads, we are big about this connection that we have with God. Uh, Sundays, pressing in and anticipating this, the presence of God, that we're going to meet with Him, that we're going to connect with Him. He, a God is not a God who is far off. God is not a God who is distant. He's repetitively engaging His people, repetitively showing Himself and revealing Himself. He, God is a God of revelation, constantly saying, here I am here I am, here I am. He's not a God who hides. He's not a God that you have to go searching for and and, uh, scouring the earth to discover. God is a God who reveals himself, his attributes, his goodness, his greatness, but it doesn't just stop there. It'd be real easy to just land in this, okay, yeah, God is who he says he is. God is, you know, we get to this confession of faith, but Let me tell you, and what hopefully you've experienced is God goes beyond that and He engages us. He engages us. There's this encounter that takes place where we we have direction. We understand His plans. He gives us wisdom and insight, even encouragement. You see, it goes beyond just this revelation of His attributes and who He is. There's this personal connection that's why I want us to look at Genesis 11. And drill really in, in, in Genesis 11, this is a story of uh, Abram, but it begins just one generation earlier with Abram's father, Terah. At this time, Abram, his name is Abram. His name gets changed to Abraham in Genesis 17. But here you have him known as Abram, and it begins with his father, Terah. Look at verse 31 of Genesis. Chapter 11. It says, One day, Terah took his son Abram, his daughter in law Sarai, and this is back when her name had not been changed yet to Sarah. Her name was Sarai, and his grandson Lot, and moved away from Ur of the Chaldeans. This is down near present day Kuwait, southern Iraq. Terah was headed for the land of Canaan but they stopped at Haran and settled there. Terah lived for 205 years and died while still in Haran. Now, Ur is uh, present-day Kuwait. Haran is north of that in what we would know as Syria, probably northern Syria up toward the the border with Turkey. Where the, the destination was was what we know around the Fertile Crescent over down into Israel, what we know as the land of Canaan, the promised land. This is where God had called and summons Terah to leave and go from his land over to the land of Canaan. Now, they couldn't just go straight because that is wilderness, that's desert, that's uh, death zone. And so they follow where the where the population is. They follow the, 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 the trade routes and that, and that was over. But they get up to Syria, and Terah stalls out there. His journey ends. You see, Terah had an encounter with God. He had this encounter. It wasn't just this acknowledgement of who God is, this encounter, and God speaks and tells him to move, and so he moves. And I believe this is where it begins for each and every one of us, is not just the acknowledgement of who God is, but actually hearing from him, connecting with him, and understanding what his plan for our life is. It's a great question to ask at the beginning of 2020. At the beginning of this year, at the beginning of this month, with with all that's ahead of me, for me and my family, for my community, for my church, what, Lord, is it that you have for me? And trust me, you spend some time, you press pause, you hit the time out, and you ask God, and trust me, He will let you know. He will respond. You may have never experienced that before. You you might not have ever learned this before, what it is that God has for you. But today, I want you to stop and I want you to listen. I encourage you to do that and hear what he has to say. If you're not familiar with the culture here at Crossroads, this is what we do. It begins with this encounter in the presence of the Lord, and, and we're listening for a thought, an idea, a conviction, a word, what is it that God has for us, for today, for this year, for you, for your family, for maybe it's your life group, maybe it's your your place of employment, your business, whatever it is, ask Him and listen, and an encounter is going to take place. But then you see, it doesn't just stop there. It doesn't just stop with a thought, an idea, a conviction, or a word. You see, for a number of uh, months we've been talking about this, and from time to time it's come up in messages that I've presented and given, and it, it, it's this idea that it, it can't just be theory. You know, so many times we can go to Scripture and we go, okay, yes, I believe, and yet what is the outworking of it? What is the practical outworking of the theory behind it? And if all it is is theory, if all it is is I know who God is and who He says He is and what He wants from me and that there's no follow through, there's no practical outworking, it's dead. We're encouraged even in worship. What does this look like for this week ahead? What does this look like for tomorrow morning when you wake up? Is Monday just going to be another Monday? Or is there an anticipation that God has a plan and a purpose for your life and He truly wants to you to move from point A to point B. So there's this revelation and this engagement, and all through Scripture we see this. When God says to go, you go. Think about that. It's novel, isn't it? A novel idea that when God says to go, that you would actually go. When God says to speak, you'd actually speak. When God says to, to move, you'd actually move. Well, this is truly what God wants, and this is what Tara did. But you notice that he stalled out. He came to a point where he stopped. Take a look at chapter 12, verse 1. And this is where we pick up the story of Abram. It says, The Lord had said to Abram, Leave your native country. Your relatives and your father's family, and go to the land I will show you. So, a similar word, and yet this isn't a word for Terah. This is now a word for Abram. I firmly believe that when God gives you a word, it's not a word that's recycled from somebody else and and you've picked it up, but no, it's a word directly for you and for your life and God's plan for your life. Verse 2 I will make you into a great nation. I will bless you and make you famous, and you will be a blessing to others. I will bless those who bless you and curse those who treat you with content. All the families of the earth will be blessed through you. And in this blessing and in this calling and in this promise, there are a number of things that God says specifically to Abram that are for him. He says, I'll give you a son. I'll make you into a mighty nation. I'll give you a land to settle in. Those are the the components of the Abrahamic covenant. So he's got some walking orders and what does it say in verse 4? It says, so Abraham departed as the Lord had instructed. So he did what? He moved. He heard the Lord. It wasn't just theory. It wasn't just an encounter, but that encounter became action and he moved. It's one thing to say, hey, yeah, that's that's great. I understand it in Abram's life. I understand it in so many other people's lives. You know, at one point God said to Elijah, go up and, you know, call, go up the mountain and call down fire from heaven. You know, Jesus went to his disciples and said, Come follow me, and they did, and and, it, and we get the idea behind it, and it sounds easy, but I have to admit it's not. If it were easy, more of us would do it. If it were easy, I would do it every single time and without hesitation. And yet, there are these these checks that come every once in a while. Why? Because it's difficult. Moving is one thing, but in reality, God is asking for much, much more. I want you to turn over to Genesis chapter 22. It's just a short while later in Abram's life. You see, he's moved to Canaan. God has promised him a son and land and descendants. And he's old in years and finally God graciously meets that need in his life and Sarah's life and provides for him, provides for them a son. Isaac is born to Abraham and Sarah in their old age. I think of this story and I, it resonates with uh, with Dana and I quite uh, quite readily because for many years, seven years in fact, we prayed fervently for a child. We, we kind of thought uh, a few years after being married that, uh, okay, let's start a family and uh, it'll be relatively easy seven years later and three miscarriages later, we're still struggling. So the fact of when we finally did get pregnant the fourth time and uh, carried that child to term and that child was born and that child is now 17 years old, like, that is a special child. That is a, a gift from God. That's a miracle baby. The number of people who had been praying with us, the number of people who we didn't even know who were fasting and praying for the months leading up to the time we got pregnant, and then who fasted and prayed throughout the pregnancy, and were praying when he was, when he was born, and have prayed for him ever since. It's, I tell you, that is a gift child, just like Isaac was to Abraham and Sarah. Very easy to want to put this hedge of protection around him and the fence up and, you know, coat him in bubble wrap and not let him out of the house and just, oh boy, we're not letting you out of our sight. But, you know, it was very evident from day one, the day he was born. I remember God saying, whether you have him for one day, one week, one month, one year, 11 years, 21 years, 30, you know, however many, however long you have him, you can trust me. You don't have to fear for Him. You don't have to worry for Him. And yet, I tell you, it's still hard to take a step back and say, you know what, God? He does belong to you, and you have a care for Him that's much greater than anything I could ever. So in in Genesis 22, I can take that big uh, gulp, and I get this lump in my throat when I read these words. Sometime later, it says, God tested Abraham's faith. Abraham, God called, yes, he replied, here I am. Remember that encounter, the engagement, not just revelation. He says, take your son, your only son, and it's almost like, you know, just in case you're missing it, yes, Isaac, I'm talking about Isaac here, whom you love so much, and I want you to go to the land of Moriah, go and sacrifice him as a burnt offering on one of the mountains, which I will show you. Man, I think that's where I just kind of tap out. go, I'm sorry, God. Um, Staff, we were talking, pastors and and staff, we were talking on Tuesday. Um, We gathered for uh, staff chapel, and I read this, and I said, uh, what would be the one thing that would be so hard and incredibly difficult for you to sacrifice if God asked you to? And we talked about different things, but every single one of us landed on family. We landed on spouse. We landed on children the hardest thing to sacrifice if we were asked by God to go up a mountain and lay something down on an, idol, uh, on an altar. Incredibly difficult. It, like, you, you can't candy coat it. You can't just go, oh, it was, it was Abraham and he just... No. Like, go sacrifice. This, this kid that you've prayed your entire life for, this miracle kid that is, has arrived and showed up, I want you to go and sacrifice this kid. have to admit that uh, last fall, coming into the holiday season, um, I was having some ominous thoughts and feelings. I was having some troubling thoughts and some, even some troubling dreams. Um, to give you some context to the story, back when, uh, just shortly after Dana and I were married, it was in 1993, we'd been married two years. I was a youth pastor at the time, and there was a, uh, a kid in our youth group, 17 years old. He was a senior in high school. He's one of our key core leaders in our youth group. Not just uh, with details and stuff, but a spiritual leader as well. Um, he was an only child. Uh, we were friends with him and his family and, and uh, very close to them. And one Saturday morning, I'll never forget, I was lying in bed and the phone rang. It was one of those phones that was attached to the house. The phone rang, and I picked it up. It was my lead pastor, and he says, Darren, I, I, I have some sad news for you. And Jeremy was killed in the car accident last night. 17-year-old senior. Close friend. We'd been on missions trips. I got, I got pictures in my... I got a box in my office that has uh, some pictures of uh, our youth group back then, and he's in them. I even have a answering machine cassette, you know those little mini cassettes and it's sitting in my office and just a few days prior to Jeremy passing away, he left a message on my answering machine. Hey Pastor Darren, just call and check in on you. How you doing? Can't wait to see you this weekend. I still have that. Carry it around. So you fast forward to the point where I have a 17 year old senior. Only child. Coming up on the day that Jeremy was killed in the car accident on December 2nd, 1993. There's some worrying thoughts. Just admittedly. I've got to protect my kid. Got to, uh, you see, out of fear, you, you tend to respond in wanting to control. Whatever it is. All I can say is in my life there's something that is, is so valuable and, and so important to me that, that, that fear takes me out of, yes, I know God is who he says he is, and takes me into, yes, I know what I have to do. And I have to somehow spring into action. And I have to somehow manage and manipulate this. And I have to, to somehow control this. And yet, what is the story of Abraham? He says, you know what? Load up the donkeys. Put the wood on. I got the torch. I got the knife. Let's go. I don't know if I could do that. And Abraham goes, even to the point where, where they leave the, 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 the servants behind, and, and he puts the wood on his son's back, and they start climbing up the rest of the way. And his son turns to him and says, Dad, where's the, where's the sacrifice? And Abraham says, the Lord will provide. Can you say that? Can you say that? And the things that, that you're worried about, and the things that you're fearing for, the things that are so near and dear and close to you, those things that you hold so, 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 so tightly, can you sincerely say, the Lord will provide? Look at verse 13. Then Abraham looked up, and saw a ram caught by its horns in a thicket. So he took the ram and sacrificed it as a burnt offering in place of his son. Abraham named the place Yahweh Yireh, which means the Lord will provide. It's where we get our word Jehovah Jireh. You've heard that that phrase, that name for the Lord. The Lord will provide. To this day, people still use that name as a proverb. On the mountain of the Lord, it will be provided. The Lord will provide. You see, it's one thing to say, yes, I know the character of God. Yes, I know what he's like. He's revealed himself to me. It's one thing to check off that box. It's another thing to follow through with it. It's another thing to do in response to what you know. It's not just theory anymore, it's this practical outworking. You see, uh, right in this spot, I'll stand and periodically a couple will come up onto the platform here to be married, and I'll ask them a couple of questions. The first question is this, do you, do you take this man, do you take this woman, do you, and the answer, more often than not, is yes. Actually, all the time it is, but yes, yes, I do. The question: Do you? Yes, I do. It it, it comes, it rolls off your lips relatively easy. The second question I ask is this: Will you keep this covenant and perform these vows? Will you? There's this corresponding movement to the to the statement of truth and the statement of belief. And I believe what God is asking us, what God is asking you, what God is asking us as a congregation, Crossroads Church, 2020, January, not only do you, yes, I do, but will you? Yes, I will. Will you trust Him? Not just with this, but with this. Not just with your mind and and your your lips, but with your actions and your activity that, that correspond. Do you and will you? I want you to take a few things um, in your hands. Um, women, dig through your purse. Men, pull out your billfold. Okay, so grab your wallet. Um, this isn't a, 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 an offering call, trust me. I want you to take your ID, your identification. If you're young and you're not a driver, you know, chances are you have something with your name on it. I want you to just, every single person, just grab your, your driver's license or, or a piece of identification. Just put it in your hand, okay? This is one thing that we worry about. Our identity, our reputation, our health, our well-being, our notoriety, our, our you know, friend, whatever it is. We worry a lot about this and accordingly with that fear comes control. We want to manage and manipulate this. Okay? Just put that aside for a second. You have your wallet in your hand, or something with worth or value, whether you have tons of money or none, none. Whatever it is, represents a, a, a thing that represents our possessions. Whether you have a lot of money, a little money, whether you own a home or you rent or you lease or you're homeless, it doesn't matter. Whatever this is, it's it's something we worry about. It's something that we we often respond out of fear to. Will you trust that God has the ability to do much better job at this than you can? Okay, I want you to put that aside. Just don't, don't put it away. Just keep it out. I want you to take... Um, Many of you have a phone with photographs of your family. And if you can just quickly, quickly, quickly go to your, go to your, um, take out your phone, grab it, and turn quickly to a picture of of a family member or someone who is very, very important to you. It should be pretty easy to get to real fast. Just go ahead and do that. That's another place of fear and worry. That's another thing, another um, thing that we, we don't want to surrender to God. We don't want to sacrifice to Him, but we want to control and manage and manipulate. Remember, do you? Yes, I do. I, I know God's capable. Will you? Oh, that's another question altogether. Will you trust Him? Will you trust Him? One last thing. I think I have it around here somewhere. I probably left it on the front front row, but something uh, it, may, it might be your bulletin, it might be your Bible, something that represents your faith community. Maybe it's your life group, maybe it's your women's group, your men's group on Thursday mornings. Maybe it's it's this gathering on a Sunday. But oftentimes, I was talking to a men's group on Tuesday night from churches all over the city, and I just really felt impressed as I was sharing this with them, that oftentimes what we do, we react out of fear of controlling and manipulating and managing this, so much so that we, we put down other churches or other faith communities or that. Why? Because we're worried about how we're going to manage what we have here are we truly the type of church and trust me this is what crossroads is is really intent on doing that we we're not responsible for managing and controlling how god wants to use us if we're called to give we're going to give if we're called to serve we're going to serve if we're called to to sit still and listen we're going to sit still and listen no matter what it looks like out in the community and that's another thing your your faith journey your your the, the image of your spirituality, is that something you're trying to manage or manipulate or is that even something that you're willing to give over to the Lord? Well, I'm not going to that life group because you know what those pe- types of people are like? Mm, you know, I'm not serving there because I'm not sure if that, you know. I, I'm, I'm going there because this is where I'm going to get fed and filled and it's, it's all from whatever the thing is. Are you managing, manipulating, or are you trusting? And this is the whole question. Will you trust him? Will you move where He's called you to move? Will you go where He's called you to, do, uh, to go? Will you? Go back to your family for a second. I tell you, it's real easy to want to... You know, fight for your kid, for your spouse, for that you know, to the point where you know, it happens every Saturday or Tuesday or Wednesday nights out on the uh, football field, baseball field, out in the, you know, to the point where I'm going to manage and manipulate so that my kid could be me in the classroom up at school or in the, in the PTA or you name it. But, but managing, manipulating so that your kid is exalted and other kids are put down. How about to the point where your family is more prominent than all the other families in town? Is that what you're working for? Or are you trusting God that He's the one who exalts? He's the one who lifts up. He's the one who protects. He's the one who gives recognition and notoriety. Finances, identity, you can go through all of these. I truly believe that we as a church, and even more so, we as individuals get caught up in this epidemic of fear and worry too, too, too much. I really believe it's a word from the Lord for each and every one of us. It's time to trust. It's time to load up what we claim to be important to us. Load up the wood, load up the donkeys and start heading up the mountain. Do you? Yes. Will you? Yes, I will. Why? Because I trust that the Lord will provide. I invite you to bow your heads, keep those things in your hands, and I'm going to pray over each one of those things. And I want you to hold them in your hand as I pray over them. Worship team, come on, join me as I'm praying. Lord Jesus, right now we hold our identity, our ID in our hands. And Lord, we confess those times that we feel like we have to manipulate or manage, we have to control, we have to do due diligence in order to find uh, find our identity, find out who we are. But Lord, I I pray that we'd put that aside and we'd find our true identity in you. That it wouldn't be for us to manage and manipulate. It wouldn't be uh, something we've fabricated or something we've conjured up, but instead it would be the truth that comes from your word of who we are in Christ and what we are to do uh, as we live each day. That we wouldn't hold back, we wouldn't push away from what you've called us to, but we'd be able to say yes to you, and move in that direction. Why? Because we we don't have to worry, we don't have to fear of what we look like, or what people will think of us, or the names will be called. Why? Because the only name that matters is the name that we get from you. So, Lord, help us with this. It's not easy. It's it's, it's not just a matter of, of deciding. Lord, it's a process, and I pray you'd take us through that process like the kind God that you are, being patient with us. I thank you that you're patient with us. But Lord, I pray that this would be something that we'd get victory over. Lord, for for finances and for our possessions and for those other things that we're holding so dearly and closely and we, we, we worry over, we fret over. Lord, help us with this to fully trust you, that you're capable, you're more than capable and you can do a much, much better job than we can, Lord. We confess the the times that we've we've tried to do things our own way. The times we've fallen into fear and acted accordingly. Lord, something that hits close to home for me is is family. My wife and my boy. And Lord, it's a real fear. I know there are. There are people here in this congregation right now that even now there's a knot in their stomach, knot in their heart, fearful of just this world we live in. Lord, whether it's mass shootings, whether it's safety at school, whether it's driving. Up and down roads, whether it's coming and going, whether it's relationships that might hurt a son or a daughter, whether it's business dealings, whether it's community relationships. Lord, I pray that we would truly be people of faith when it comes to care, protection, and your provision for our family members. And then, Lord, finally for our our spiritual relationships, our our spiritual community. Lord, we certainly want this to be a place where you're honored and you're glorified, but Lord, I pray that we would learn to follow you and trust you rather than try to lead the way and manage the way things look or feel. Do we want to follow you at the beginning of this year we truly want our hearts to be wide open to you pray you teach us what that means and how to walk that out each and every day it's in Jesus name, amen I'm inviting you to stand let me just end with uh, just Luke chapter 12 You've, you're familiar with these verses the Lord looks at those who are following says you know what You don't need to worry. Don't worry about your life. Don't worry about what you're to eat, what you're gonna wear. Look at the the birds of the air. God cares for them, doesn't he? He he does. Look at the lilies of the field. Man, they are they're clothed more glorious than than many of the kings who've ever lived. He says, don't worry just know this, that God has your best interest in mind. God is more than capable. And he goes on to say this. He says, seek first his kingdom. Seek the Lord first. Get your eyes focused on him first. And then you know what? All these other things, they're going to be taken care of. They're going to be added unto you. God is a God of blessing. God is a God of favor. And you can trust in that, and you can walk that out. Our altar team is going to be here at the front. If we can pray with you, if there's a yes and amen to be said to that, why don't you step out and receive some ministry. We'll dismiss in just a moment, but before we do, come as we sing, alright?